church, Angie, for I think it was five years, she had no contact with her son, David, African-American male. All she could think was statistics he's going to be found somewhere in his remains. But God took her up into the heavenlies one night. It was so real that when what she traveled through, she woke up with sand on her feet and in her bed and said, I have your son and he's preserved. And all of a sudden David called, said, Mama, I'm sorry I haven't been in touch. I'm sorry you've been worried about me. And he came back and even ministered in our school for a while. That's what God could do for mothers who pray and for communities who pray for their people. When God was giving me the message today, it started out on one extreme, and I had to, he always brings me back. I wanted to start with John 14, 12. We need the power of God demonstrated more today than ever before. 
Anybody who gets that standard reach on 1412, please. Read it out loud, please. It says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Oh, there was a promise that Jesus was made. He was getting ready to ascend to heaven. And people were grieving. And he was saying, listen, everything you've seen me do, I promise you're going to do even greater things. We need to see that demonstrated. We need to see that activated in the church today. We're not a dead religion. We're our, a relationship with Christ and depend on his words and what he said. He did. We need to be manifesting and demonstrating those things in his name. Can somebody say amen? Amen. To get the full understanding of this, turn back to 2 Kings. Chapter 2. Verse 1 through 15. You see, when Elijah, God told him, I'm going to take you up. He didn't die of death like humans do. God took him up to heaven. And it's a picture of Jesus, a type of Jesus ascending to the heavens. And what did his protege, his follower, Elisha, said, Elijah, I want a double portion. And people have misunderstood that. And they think, well, that was nervy for the trainee to say, I want what you have, but I want double. Jesus knew that we would need more of what he had because he knew what we would be dealing with. This is good for any situation. Do you hear me today? Because everyone in here walked in with a different opinion, a different thing in their life going on. Yet Jesus said, I've got the answer for you, for you, for you, for you, for you. Don't matter what it is. I am the answer. And I have things to give to you. It started with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit made believers able to have the power to access those things that Jesus did. And yet I have people who still say, I can't do it. I tried. I can't speak in tongues. Let me tell you about little Gigi. Let me first start with Julia. Not raised in any Pentecostal experience. Coming to something that's not in her background. Yet when we were praying together after time and time again, I hear all of a sudden Julia speaking in tongues. It's not like something magical came over her. It's not like 10 people were there with hands laid on her, telling her to say this, do that, make that movement. She just in faith started speaking in a, a language, words, sounds that were coming into her head. 
And by faith, when she started saying them, she got more and more. That's an adult who by faith was baptized without externals, but just her relationship with the Holy Spirit. So when we pray as a family, the kids are there. Gigi, two years old, started speaking in tongues because what does she hear? She hears us doing. But was she mimicking? No. I'm telling you the difference because I was a child and we played church. My sister and I could mimic the language of everybody in the church, what they said, their heavenly words. But we had it down. We heard it. And we played it out. And play is practicing for adulthood for children. So don't, don't get wigged out over it. But I didn't have the instruction at that time to tell me you can have your own language. You don't have to say what somebody else is saying. Nobody told Gigi at two and a half that. But when I heard her and her mom was saying, you said blah, 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 whatever the sounds were, Gigi said no. And she repeated her words to her mother. And it was not our heavenly language, it was Gigi's. Because Gigi hasn't had years of bad teaching to tell her how it has to be or look like. Amen? Amen? It's by faith we start speaking out the sounds that we are hearing. There's power in the Holy Ghost, and we need it more ever right now, today. We need to be a people that when friends come to us, or we see a situation of people we don't know that we can walk up boldly and say it can change right now. That's right. Whether it's emotional, right. physical, or even cultural situations. There was some things in this story that are important time of preparation for Elisha. And it's where he traveled with his master that prepared some things in his life. Let me turn over there. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Let me tell you about Gilgal, the first place that he mentioned they went. It was a place of testimony a place of sanctification and of circumcision. Because when the 12 tribes crossed over the Jordan there, God instructed them to set a memorial, put 12 stones there, stack them, so that every generation that comes by would see a memorial of what God has done and how he's delivered his people. 
As much as you may have a strong opinion about who to vote for, the president or president-elect is not your hope. Oh, only one person believed that. That's right. Jesus is the answer for the world today. generation, the third generation. There are people who don't know what their parents did, what their grandparents did. They've walked on and they've forgotten about it and they don't think it relates to their generation. Jamie and I, I told you we're Biologically DNA sisters, <laughs> biological sisters. We're just double cousins. But we were raised more around our grandma Eva because she lived in California. And grandma did not have a good education. There were things about her that she was limited in what she could do. But one thing we agree on, we remember grandma praying every day, all day long. We would walk by here, she would be saying, oh Jesus, oh God, oh Jesus, oh God. All day long, she carried a prayer in her heart and the strength that she had was praying and we're evidence of the value of those prayers today because she was not satisfied with her children being successful. She wanted us to be more than she could be, but she wanted us to be more in the Lord than she could be. And she prayed that into fruition. That's not unique to our family. That's unique to the family of God. They needed a place of testimony, a place of remembering what God has done. Do you hear me today? If you want the power of God in your life, you need to remember and you need to recite and you need to say, this is a thing that God has done in my life. Yeah. This is a thing that God has done in my family. Yes. This is a thing that God has done in my community. And it was a place of sanctification. Sanctification just means set apart. All of a sudden, when we belong to him, when we're seeking him and we're seeking his power, it is a requirement to be set apart from what the world is doing. Do you hear me? Right. What is the world doing right now? Everybody's agitating, blaming. Yes. Yes. We've got to be set apart and know who we are serving. Jesus Christ. We need to know that we've got the power to make changes in our family, in the community, and in our nation. Yes. We don't have to accept what CNN says. We don't have to accept 
what Fox News says. We accept what the word of God says and what he declares. There was a place, another thing that happened at Gilgal. Circumcision. People get a little nervous when I preach about this. They got nervous when I was preaching about Abigail, that she lit off her ass. Not my words. That's why I love King James. You can't get plainer than King James. Everything in it is a picture or a type. And circumcision is a picture or type. Why God had his men circumcise themselves is that men hold the penis or the reproductive organs in high esteem because it, rep it represents their virility, their strength, and their future generations. We need to be clear about this. If you're uncomfortable, you need to become an adult and know that God's word is teaching us something. So he had them cut off the tip of their source of power in themselves. Do you hear me? This is not what you can do, not what you can create, not what you can produce. Oh my God, if I had a chance to speak from the Capitol this morning. This is about what I, God, Jehovah, can do. And he said, you have to give up your source of power and know that I am the source. In the New Testament, it's even more inclusive because women can relate when he says the new circumcision is the heart. Why the heart? The seat of our emotions. We start cutting off what we want, oh, who's ready to hear that this morning? Who's ready to hear that what we want is not the most important thing? We cut off what we want in deference to what God wants for us. Oh, God, if I could have acted on that when I was 30 instead of 50. Because I had an image of what I wanted my life to be like. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't anything evil or wrong. It's just that I saw what I wanted. And I worked hard to make that come to fruition. And along the way, I suffered unnecessary pain, unnecessary trials, unnecessary tribulation, because I did not circumcise my heart and say, God, I just want what you want for me. Yes. Do you hear me this morning? Our pain. We can look at Gigi again, hiding her best friend in her class. You know what their source of frustration is? You know when they have tantrums? When they don't get what they want. Parents, are you hearing me? Oh yeah. Isn't that? Yet, we're adults, and cognitively we're supposed to understand that more, yet our source of frustration is 
when we're not getting what we want. It is difficult for some people to become part of a body. Because they want to be a foot when they've been made to be a hand. And they haven't yet learned to surrender to say, God, I just want to do what you want me to do. You see where this starts? Remembering what God has done, setting apart from the things of the world, from what the culture tells us what we should be, do, act like, what's acceptable to the culture and start saying, Lord, I just want to learn to live in your will. I want to do what's acceptable unto you. And then we cut off literally our own will, our ways and pursue the Lord Jesus that's how we can say, like Elisha said to Elijah, I want what you have done, but I want it double. We can say that. Who wants the power of God demonstrated in their lives? I don't care what type of personality you have. We have introverts, we have extroverts, and we have a mixed blend. You see, nobody believes that I'm an introvert. But when I'm not doing what God has called me to do, I am a shrinking violet. I want to be alone in my office or up in my room and recharging. But I've allowed God. I, when I was four years old, people said hi to me and embarrassed me. I would go, I would just cringing because I had to communicate. And I didn't like to be verbal. So I would, ah. Because, you know, your parents say, you better say hi back. You better be socially acceptable. So that was the best I could do was waving hi. That didn't stop God from calling me and from using me. And when I see people in a situation where they're suffering, the Holy Ghost has given me power to go up to them and say, may I pray for you. Are you hearing me? Okay. I'm an introvert. But God has given me the power to do that. Verse 2, and Elijah said unto Elisha, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Bethel. A place, that's a, it means literally the house of God. We have a generation of people who don't believe it's necessary to be in the house of God. And I hear it all the time. Just because I don't go to church doesn't mean I'm not a Christian. You see his journey? Yeah. We're here now. And they're going to Bethel. 
They're going to, it's a picture for us if we want to receive. And what do you know the Holy Ghost was called in the, in the Methodist church when they started having the camp meetings and revival and the Holy Ghost started call, falling? They called it the second blessing. into God's house, back into God's house. What do we get in God's house? We get the word, the logos. How many of you could have opened up 2 Kings this morning and got this message that I'm preaching? That's great if you could have. You might have got a different, you might have even got a better one. But what God does in his house is give a word for the people who are showing up today. And every one of you will walk out with a piece of this meal that you remember because it's fitting for your life. And it may, mean, may not be what you got, and it may not be the same as what you got, but guarantee this manna for everyone here. Right. Also, a personal revelation in God's house. What we did for a couple weeks, we're going to do today. Because if, like, I'm encouraging you, it is not the pastor who you come for. It is not just for the word that I am giving. She gave a true word this morning, a rhema word when she started praise and worship. I felt it. I heard it. Yeah. I said, thank you, God. Yeah. There are other people who are feeling the struggle that I'm feeling. Yeah. Who are being provoked by the same things I'm provoked. And we may be provoked in different ways. I, it doesn't matter. It's that demonic atmosphere that the church has to rise up. And because it is in the atmosphere, we cannot have a weak, ineffective religion. Yes. We have to have the power yeah. of the Holy Ghost to make a difference against what is prevailing. It was also a place of preserving. Preserving the promises of the original revelation of who God is and what he can do. We had a traditional testimony service in the church I grew up in. But when it isn't spontaneous or relevant, it becomes a tradition that becomes stale and old and doesn't contribute. But we need a place of testimony where at the end or whenever we take time to do it, does anybody have something to say 
Don't you love it when you hear a good report for someone else? Yeah. Yes, it's encouraging because if God did something through them in their lives, that makes me know he can do something through me in my life. It's an encouragement that we get from Bethel, from the house of God. And the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came forth to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away your master from your head today? And he said, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. There's always people who want to bring in. What are you doing? Don't you? I don't know how they knew. Well, they were prophets. I guess they got some divine revelation that Elijah was going to be taken up in a whirlwind. Maybe. It was an UFO, unidentified flying object. Apparently it was whatever God used because nobody recognized it. Yeah. No matter what your theories are, we can agree it was unidentified flying object. <laughs> they had never seen the likes of it. But that's how God took him. Elijah said, don't worry about that. You don't even have to tell me about that. Oh, that the church will learn a boldness of the believer, will learn discrimination, discernment, to be able to say, I don't want to hear about that. Yeah. In fact, I just want everybody to practice. Say, I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about because that. Because there are some news we should reject yeah. when it is being told to us. My sister, along many years ago, much younger we were, and she said, I want to tell you what somebody said about you. And I said, no. I was young and knew the wisdom of that. And she said, you mean to tell me you don't want to know what they're saying about you and they're supposed to be your friend? And I said, absolutely, I mean that. Because I don't want that to color or affect our relationship. And if I hear that, it will definitely do that. Because even though I'm an introvert, I have a temper. <laughs> it may not be externalized a lot, but I can, she recognizes my bodily change even though it's quiet. <laughs> she knows when something is upsetting me because she works side by side with me. And in my mind, I'm exploding and having a fit. But I don't always externalize that. Plus, I told her, I have said things about people before that the minute it left my mouth, I was sorry for that. But once it leaves, I can't take it back. So if you want to be a loyal friend to me, when somebody says something about me, just stand up for me. Tell them you don't want to hear it. Be an Elijah. Elisha. That will stop you from getting information that clouds your thinking. And you never have to carry it. Because you know what we want to do with bad information? We want to dump it out as soon as we can. 
because it's not pleasant. And we don't think, well, I'm harming somebody else. We just think, I want to get out of it. I want to get distant. I want to get rid of it. I posted something like that because I'm working on this message online. And my brother Bill said, do I need to, well, I'll just say, do I need to assault somebody? Because when we were teenagers, having a big brother, there were times in my honor that he wanted to, that he did punch somebody. I said, Bill, you are too old to be fight. <laughs> but believe me, nobody has said anything about me, or at least if they're brave enough to let me know. <laughs> so relax, I don't need you as my defender. You can give that role up of, of a physical life. And he hasn't. He, it was a joke, but you, you, back in the day, he did do that. We know that God will take care of us. And Elisha did not want to. He knew it was not a time for grieving. He had discernment. It doesn't matter. He's going to feel his loss. But what empowered him was that he knew he was going to get the double blessing. That's our joy. That's our strength. That's our hope. That we can do what more than Jesus said that you shall do greater. write the rest on the board. I'm going to stop at this point because I'm, well, we'll do Jericho next week. But I want people in the congregation to use the power of the Holy Ghost that God has given them. Either you have an encouraging word today or you are ready by the spirit of prophecy to lay hands on somebody and give them a word from the Lord. Don't be shy, Lord. This is what this is what the church, first church did. It did not look like the first church on the corner that was here first and we have our order. They came together praising, singing, doing, ministering to one another. We need that this morning. We want to stand up boldly. Say a word or pray for someone.